Bibles tonight, Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 5, and uh, while you're turning there, we had one prayer request come in here just a moment ago uh, from Brother Jason, uh, Miss Barbara Clayton, this is Miss Jessica's grandmother, uh, Miss Jessica Hillman's grandmother, 92 years old, uh, just taken by ambulance to Forest General, has lung cancer, uh, not doing very well, and so I need to remember Miss Barbara Clayton, if you'll add her to your list tonight. And I concur with Brother AJ, you look at that list, well, quite, a, quite a few folks there tonight, and uh, the needs are very are varying, uh, a lot of variety there of folks who have needs, and uh, could I just encourage you something that somebody encouraged me with this week, uh, let that help you have a little perspective in life. Uh, earlier this week when a friend of mine called from Louisiana and told me about the Thompson family, a uh, young family of fifth grader, third grader, first grader on their way to school, uh, I believe on uh, Monday morning. And uh, got to a, uh, a stop sign there in Rayville, Louisiana. Right now they're harvesting the corn and uh, large 18-wheelers filled with all the grain and corn is coming down the highway. And I guess because of the hood or whatnot, couldn't see the car there at the stop sign and, and never touched his brakes. Runs into the back of their car and uh, in the back seat of the car was the third grader and the first grader. And in the front seat was the mom and the fifth grader. And the mom was able to get the fifth grader out of the car uh, as quick as she could, but then the car burst into flames, and before they could uh, get the first grader and third grader out, uh, the, they went on to be with the Lord. And uh, you hear about such tragedies, and you hear about people on our prayer list who are going through difficulties, surgeries, pacemakers being put in, and folks being carried to the hospital by ambulances. It, it helps us have some perspective, doesn't it, in our life, that uh, if you're here tonight and in decent health, God's been good to us, and God has blessed us, and something to thank Him for, and, and then take the good health we have, and let's be a blessing to those who may not be as fortunate as us tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there, it's a passage we, uh, we've we been in several times lately, and as you're getting there, let me also say right quick, thank you to the parents who uh, let your kids come over to our house on Sunday night. Uh, were we able to get those pictures, Brother John, back there? We got those pictures. Uh, I told you I wasn't sure how we were going to do it, but we did it. Uh, we put 40 teenagers in our living room, including lightsabers, and uh, had a great time, had a great fellowship with them, and I uh, just want to go ahead and let you know, don't leave your phone unattended. Uh, you leave your phone unattended, you may have things pop up on there that you didn't, uh, you didn't intend being on there, but had a great time, great fellowship, folks dropping in, and great fellowship with our young people. I'm very proud of them and how God's working in their life, and their submissiveness to His will. There's a sensitivity amongst them right now, and we took some time to look over the summer and some pictures over the summer and uh, some candid moments and memories I'm sure many of them will never forget uh, and uh, nicknames that many of them will never outlive, right? Amen. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Matthew chapter number five, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand. If you don't mind, stretch your legs a little bit. I'm uh, going to read some verses we've read before, but come from a totally different perspective. In Matthew five, I want to be an encouragement to you tonight. Uh, you know Matthew chapter 4, look down at verse 19, there's the call of the disciples. Not long after that, chapter 5, verse 1, uh, we've read this many, many times where Jesus is about to begin their formal education uh, into their discipleship. The Bible says in chapter 5, verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And go on with the Beatitudes. And then we look down to verse 14, very familiar passage where he begins to give them their identity. Ye are the light of the world. Uh, Verse number 16, let your light so shine. So many concentrated principles right here in Matthew chapter number 5. And then he begins to rewrite their software, if you will, on how they think and how they should treat others, uh, relationships with others. Uh, Look down to verse 30. Uh, He reminds them about getting sidetracked and letting things get their mind off of what God's called them to do. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. I mean, they are going through Bible college courses right here with Jesus teaching it. Uh, Verse 38, look down, ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that's the key right there, but I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn him to the other also. We go on down. There's so many things that he puts in chapter number 5, and then he begins to tell them what love looks like. Verse 46, for if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. So here he's giving them their identity. Now we get all the way to verse 48. That's where I want to get tonight. He says here, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven, is perfect. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I do thank you for your word again. Help us tonight, I pray. Lord, pull out the principles out of this one verse. We might live a life more pleasing to you tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I need you to use your imagination tonight. Uh, I know that uh, some of us are getting older, uh, but I think all of us still have an imagination to some sense. And I want you to try to imagine what it was like to be invited to this opportunity in chapter 5 where Jesus invites you up on the mountain with him to preach to, to preach to you and preach to them. Imagine what that was like to hear the very word of God from the word that was made flesh. To be honest with you, uh, I would feel special to be included in that number of people that were invited up there. Imagine the opportunity of getting to hear Jesus preach. Uh, As a kid, my dad would take me to hear some of the older preachers, Dr. Lee Robertson and uh, uh, Brother Crumpton, and hear a lot of uh, Carl Hatch. I heard him here many times. Uh, And you hear those men preach. Uh, What a blessing it was to hear them while they were alive. I've mentioned before, sometimes I'll come in here and sit down and put my phone up on the pulpit and play sermons by some of those great men of God uh, who've gone on to be with the Lord now. What a blessing it was to hear them. Can you imagine hearing Jesus, getting to hear preaching from Jesus? Uh, knowing that he preached it the best way possible. Uh, There are many times I come out of the pulpit thinking, that didn't go well. Uh, Thinking, boy, I butchered that one. You know, the Lord gives you a a filet mignon of a thought, and boy, you're thinking, this is a good thought. Uh, And then you get up there and you serve it burned Or you get up there and you serve it overcooked. You don't want to overcook a steak. And you're like, boy, I took something good and served it up. Not as well as it could have been. But knowing it was from Jesus, you know it was wonderful. And you know it was good. And you know that the Holy Spirit of God, oh, my soul, it pierced right deep into their heart. But then we get all the way over to the the, uh, injunction, if you will, of here in verse 48. And he says, be ye therefore perfect. Even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. 
Now, obviously, the context is verse 46 and verse 47. He's telling them about their love, that their love should be the kind of love that God has. It is a perfect or a complete love, not love like the publicans. Uh, And uh, verse 46, he says, hey, they can do that. Uh, By the way, that was an insult to be called a publican, okay? Uh, I know some of you and uh, your political leanings, and uh, it would be an insult to you if somebody called you a Democrat or a Republican or, or, or whatever, an independent. Uh, you'd be insulted by that, right? Uh, well, being called a Republican would be an insult, okay? He says we shouldn't love like they love. He says, love like God loves, be therefore perfect or have a complete love, even as your Father, which in heaven is, in, is perfect. But the principle in verse 48 is not just applying to love. That principle applies to everything he has said thus far. To be complete, that word perfect does not mean to be without fault. That is impossible as long as we live in a flesh body. We'll never be be perfect. Now we should strive to become more like Christ, but we'll never be perfect. On your best day. When you're doing well and walking with God and you're memorizing scripture and quoting scripture, it doesn't take but a brief moment, a human interaction, a bad moment in your life, the next thing you know, uh, you have gotten away from God in just a a split second. We're not going to be perfect, but he says we're to strive to what? Be therefore perfect or complete as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, here's the thought I want you to, to chew on for a few minutes tonight. Here they are on this mountain, and they're having this great experience with Christ. I can't imagine that. Have you ever been in a church service where the Spirit of God was moving? It was undoubtable that it was the Lord moving in that service and through His Word, and you didn't want to leave. You weren't worried about what time it was. You weren't worried about what anybody else was doing. All that you were worried about is what God was doing in your heart and what God was doing in your life. What a wonderful experience. I believe that's probably what it was like. I mean, if you can't get moved while Jesus is preaching, something's wrong. All right? I get it when mankind is preaching, but by the way, it's the Holy Spirit of God that's doing the preaching, not the man. It's the Holy Spirit of God that speaks to our heart, and I promise you we'll see this in a minute. If we open our hearts that no matter who's preaching, the Holy Spirit can give you something out of that. But I have no doubt Jesus was speaking here. Why? Because Jesus was speaking. My Bible, I look down here, and it's all red as Jesus speaks. And I can't help but think of how a wonderful experience that was. But then he throws a monkey wrench in things in verse 48. He tells them what he wants them to be. Be therefore perfect or complete or mature, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now watch what's happening here. As they have this experience with Christ... Suddenly, in verse 48, he interjects that there is an expectation from God. And as wonderful as the experience with God is, there's also expectations that come from that experience with Christ. Now, this is important tonight, folks, because uh, as Christians, oftentimes we relish experiences. We are very sensual people. See, what do you mean by that? We are very much in touch with our senses, are we not? Uh, We're very much in touch with our emotions. We get stirred by things. We cry on television shows. We get our feelings hurt. And uh, look, there's nothing wrong with feelings. God gave them to you, but you have to keep them in check sometimes. And yet we're looking at the experience they're having, and yet notice the experience was not without expectations. In, In our society, we are such a sensitive society. I am as well. We have high moments, low moments, good days, bad days, good emotions, bad emotions, and we're very much in touch with our experiences. You look at the religious landscape across our country, what do people speak about? 
they speak about their experiences. I went to this place and I had this experience. I watched this message or listened to this song and had this feeling and this emotion. It's an experience. But what do you not hear people speak about often? It's the expectation. Now, folks, this is important tonight. It reminds me of when I was in school, whether it was elementary, high school, or college. Uh, sometimes, I think we're all prone not to pay attention as well as we should. Agreed? Uh, I know I was, okay? I was easily distracted at times. And then you'd hear these words that you never want to hear come out of your teacher's mouth. This will be on the test. What did she say? What were we talking about? I need to know what is going to be on the test. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean she's not just up there talking just so she'll get paid? You mean she's not just up there talking so she can fill the time? You mean the things that she's talking about are going to be expected of me later? Yes, that's what's called a test. And then you begin to pay attention because you realize that this is not just an experience. This is an expectation that comes along with it. Here's what Jesus is saying in verse 48. This will be expected of you. This will be expected of you. Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now, what is he expecting in verse 48? We'll get into it in just a minute, but I want you to understand what he's saying. Completeness. Completeness. That as a Christian and as a disciple, a follower of Christ, there is an expectation of a complete disciple, not an incomplete disciple. He doesn't want us to say, you know, multiple choice. Uh, Thank the Lord for multiple choice in high school. Amen? Uh, that got a lot of folks through tests. They tell me if you mark all C's on your ACT, you'll make a 17. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but you have a chance of getting it right just by guessing. He didn't say, hey, you know what, guys? Pick the even verses out. You pick the even verses out, we'll do good. No, he says, be ye therefore perfect or complete. He's expecting all of this from them. That's what God is looking to them to be in their discipleship as they follow him. Now, the goal is that when God makes us aware of these things, we accept them into our life and slowly become a complete Christian. That we're working our entire life, what does 2 Peter say? Add to your faith. Why? You want to be complete. None of us want to be an incomplete Christian. None of us, when the trump of God sounds, and I believe it's sooner than later, and I'm looking forward to it, like I've never looked forward to it in my life, that when Jesus comes back, I do not want to be an incomplete Christian. I don't want to be a Christian who said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pick out the verses that I like. All right, I'm going to pick out the blessed of the poor in spirit. I can do that one. Uh, I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. No, thank you. Uh, look on down here. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted. What, you know, I'm going to pick it up. No, no, no. I'm expected to live up to the standard of the complete Christian that he's calling them to be. And here's the problem, though. Oftentimes, we're focusing more on the experience we're having than the expectations. We come to church and we judge whether or not we're going to obey the will of God based on the experience. Can I tell you, whether you go to church and have a good experience or a bad experience, there's still expectations. God still has something for us. And tonight, we're going to look down here in in verse 48, and there's just a few simple things the Lord laid on my heart that I believe we ought to work toward in making sure we're not just experiencing time with God, uh, but we're also taking away from it expectations from God. All right? So tonight, here's the message. Very simple thought. 
from experience to expectation. From experience to expectation. Now, look down to verse number 48. We'll jump right into it. If you'll smile and amen every once in a while, uh, we'll just walk right through this uh, in no time flat. Notice, if you will, verse 48, the very first word. It's the word be. The word be. This is not up for negotiation, is it? He didn't say, you know what, I want you to try this. I want you to see if this works out for you. He puts it as simple as can be. He just says, be. Be. That all of these things that I have told you and how to love, how to treat people, all of these things, I I just want you to be it. There was no room for negotiation. It was simply a matter of acceptance. Now, do you know why so many Christians tonight are living an incomplete Christian life? It's because we focus on the experience and oh how we enjoy the mountaintop experience with Christ and how wonderful it is. But that experience comes with expectations and those expectations are non-negotiable. He doesn't say if you want to be a good dad or a godly husband or a faithful wife. He doesn't give that to us as an option. He tells us simply to what? To be. To be. Now watch this. Number one, if you're going to make the step from having experience with God to living up to the expectations of God, number one, here's what you need to do. Number one, accept God's expectations. Accept them. He couldn't have made it any more simple. He just says, be it. Now, what does Nike say? I haven't had a pair of Nikes in a long time. Uh, But I remember in high school, Nikes were the thing. I don't know what the thing is now, but they were Nikes. I remember I was 13 years old. Mom and Dad bought me my first pair of Nikes. They were yellow. Why? I don't know. I guess I'm like some of our teenage guys. I had bad taste even when I was a teenager too. It's okay. They were, uh, I'm not talking about Raider yellow. I'm talking about butterscotch. All right? Butterscotch yellow. But man, I love those shoes. They're my first pair of Nikes. I was 13 years old and got them to play basketball at seminary uh, junior high school. But Nike's theme is what? Just do it. Just do it. Can I tell you what Christ's theme for his disciples was? Just be it. Not negotiating, we're not talking about it, we're not playing multiple choice. All of these things are like, wow, what a great experience with Jesus. I got to be one of the limited few invited up on the mountain. Hey, great, you've had some experiences. But those experiences come with expectations. And those expectations are simply put in that one word, be. Take all that I've told you now to become a complete Christian, just be it. I'll tell you tonight. The trump's going to sound, and a lot of us are going to be caught incomplete in Christ. Do you know why? Because we're negotiating what he said be. We're negotiating with it. You know, well, well God, it's 2023, and I could be more of an effective Christian if I just did it this way. Look, non-negotiable. Just be it. I remember clearly the first time I ever had to write a check to the United States government for taxes. <clears throat> My soul, uh, <clears throat> you know... Should have had more kids, definitely. Brother Aaron, I get it now. <laughs> no, I'm picking with you. I'm not joking. We walked out of the accountant's office. We were in Louisiana. And, you know, you pay a little bit here or there. It's not, you know, nothing terrible. And it was about $2,200. And my wife was crying walking out of the accountant's office. And probably, she's probably not the first person, by the way, to do that. Uh, as we walked out of there. And I remember I went home, 
I'm Googling, you know, how do, why do I have to pay this? And my goodness, I don't make that much. And why do I have to pay that? And can I deduct this? And you start looking for everything under the sun to deduct. Can I do this? And I'm making phone calls to accountants and friends and folks in the tax business. I'm all that and all that. Finally, I went to Mr. Cameron, my accountant. I said, Mr. Cameron, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And he says, Brother Andrews, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. You might as well cut the check. I'm the tax guy, you meant that. You might as well cut the check. There's no getting out of it. This is the government. What is it? Uh, I mean, the only guarantees in life are death and taxes. I like to add the devil in on that. But death and taxes. Cut the check. Quit wasting time. Quit arguing. You're going to write the check. And I wrote the check. Emptied out everything to write the check. You see, it was non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Tonight, as a child of God, can I tell you something? The experiences with God are great, and we relish the experiences, but there are expectations that come with it, and we might as well accept it. That God has called me to what? To be. He says, this is what I expect of you. Now, uh, you know me. I like to look up words. You know what the word be means? <clears throat> it means exist. Exist. Or cause to occur. Here's what he's saying. Jesus says, I expect you to exist according to all that I've told you. You're thinking, are you serious? He's serious. He didn't double speak. He knew exactly what he meant when he said it. Think about it this way. First Peter, the Bible tells us to be ye holy for I am holy. All right. That means God wants us to exist holy, non-negotiable. I'm not asking you if it fits in your lifestyle. I'm not asking you if you enjoy it. I'm just telling you the word of God says, be ye holy. Exist holy. Or watch this. The word exist or make it to occur. Jesus is saying, watch, in his word, make holiness happen. I'm not asking you if you like it. I'm just telling you, this is what I expect of you. And you're like, well, you know, is this holy? Is that holy? Can I tell you something tonight? The best thing we can do in order to become a complete Christian, that's the goal, right? Be therefore perfect as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. How do we get there? Just go ahead and accept God's expectations. Just accept it. This is what God requires of us. Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. But watch this. God says, that's what I expect. Be ye. But, but wait a minute. No, no. He says, be ye. That's what God expects of us. Now, can I tell you, we complain about be ye holy. We complain about be ye kind. 2 Corinthians, be ye separate. We don't like those things. But let me give you a little bit of encouragement, okay? Whenever God gives us a command, he gives us capability. Isn't that good? Come on, smile. It's all right. Whenever God gives us a command, he commands us, be ye holy. You said, oh, my soul. It's hard to be holy in 2023. But with every command comes the capability. That God's not going to call you to do something that through his power you can't do. We can. Be ye kind one to another. Today I told my wife, I says, we were out uh, together. And I said, all right, let's, uh, I'm going to stop by the store and get a drink. She says, you're going to that store? And I knew what she meant. She says, that, that store never makes me feel welcome. And she's right. Uh, the folks in there, I, I don't know if, if, if it's my cologne, my look. Uh, I don't know. But they're, they're just not kind people. If I go in there, you know, I do my best. Look, you be mean, I'm going to try to make you smile. And so I walked in, hi. 
You're like, oh, it's you again. They didn't say it, but that's what their look said, okay? I walk in, good to see you, you know, walk around. We get to check out. I put the stuff up on the checkout counter, and it's kind of coming down a little conveyor there. I'm looking at the lady's face. I'm waiting for her to make eye contact. Why? Because I want to be kind to her. Because she's not kind to me. You say, well, if you're not kind to me, I'm going to be kind to you. Look, that's not negotiable. He says, be you kind. You can do it. Why? Because with every command comes God's capability. Hey, come out from among them and be ye separate. You think, are you kidding me? My kids are going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be an outcast at work. But with every command comes the capability. And watch, he just says, be it. That means accept God's expectations. You see people in the Bible that got in trouble. And oh, I've gotten in trouble in my life too. Can I tell you how I get in trouble? When I refuse to accept God's expectations. Look at Jonah. God says, Jonah, here's what I expect of you. I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach. Watch. Basically saying, Jonah, I want you to, to be a preacher. That's what I want you to be. The Bible says that Jonah rose up to flee, got him on a boat to go to Tarshish. And we know the story of what happened to Jonah. Do you know why Jonah got in trouble? He was refusing to accept God's expectations. No. I'm not going to be what you want me to be. That's when we get swallowed by the whales of life. Have you ever been swallowed by a whale of life? So how do you know I've been swallowed by a whale of life? Well, inside a whale, it's dark and it stinks. Your life ever dark and stinky? Yes. I think I'm a whale's favorite meal sometimes. My own doing. Why? Because I don't want to live up and accept God's expectations. Jonah didn't want to be what God said to be. And then you think about Moses. God says, Moses, I want you to be the deliverer. And then God, Moses begins to negotiate with God. I don't know that I can do that. Moses didn't think he could be. But remember, if there's a calling, there's a capability. That encourages me tonight. To know that whatever God calls me to, God's going to give me the capability to do that. I just have to accept his expectations. I'll give you a real-time example that I think you'll get. Uh, not long after we got settled in here, I opened the desk drawer there in the office, and there was a brass sheriff's badge in the drawer. And I knew uh, Brother Miller was the sheriff, and uh, he's out west, and he, he loves the out west, out west. And and I'm thinking, oh, I'm not a cowboy. I, I don't do cowboy. I never went to that western stage as a teenager. Uh, just didn't. And I'm also not an actor, so double negatives there. I'm not a Western guy. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those rhinestone cowboys either, but, you know, I'm just, I'm not a cowboy. I love the West. I love going out West. I'm just not a cowboy. And so Brent was in my office one day, and I said, hey, how serious is this sheriff thing? He goes, oh, it's, it's real. I said, how real? He says, well, you know, you're the sheriff. I said, look, look, I'm not an actor. I was, telling, I was telling Brother Elijah and Brother Sam yesterday, you know, they, they're doing the, the program and the drama, and they do so good with it for Brother Shear today. They do so good with it. I'm scared to death just to do video announcements. And you want me to appear and act like a sheriff? If you want me to act like a hunter, I could have done that. Why couldn't it have been a hunting team? Why couldn't we have that, man? I could handle that. I know hunter. I don't know western. Well, howdy. I mean, I, I watched Toy Story. That's about the extent of my western life. And we're sitting there talking to Brent. Brent looks across the desk and he says, um, that's part of the job. <laughs> Our deacons, I don't remember y'all telling me that. You got to be the sheriff. 
Like, are you serious? Like, can we change the theme? You know? No, no, you're the sheriff. It's part of the job. But I'm not good at it. So it's part of the job. Figure it out. But what if I don't want to? It's part of the job. We get in this book. And we look in here, blessed are the pure in heart. Hey, that didn't work for me. That, that, that ain't me. Wait a minute. Blessed are they that mourn. I'm not into that. Who wants to mourn? Blessed are the meek. Wait a minute. What does it go on to say? Hey, if something offends me, whoa, my goodness, this seems like serious stuff. Look at all the way down through chapter 5. Can I tell you something as a Christian? It's part of the job. It's part of the job. And with the calling comes the capability. So what should we do tonight to go from the experience to living up to the expectations? Number one, accept God's expectation. He just says be. He just says be. Let me read something for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to what the Bible says. I, I love how this works. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. Notice twice he mentions the word received. They accepted it. They accepted it. But then watch what the Bible goes on to say. The Bible says, the word of God which effectively worketh, effectively worketh also in you that believe. So once you receive it, it begins working in you. Do you know, you may not be in Ephesians 5 husband yet that loves your wife as Christ loves the church. But if you'll receive that word, it can begin working in you. But you've got to accept it. At some point, you've got to say, you say, well, I don't know if I can love my wife. Have you met my wife? I don't know if I can love my husband. Have you met him? Do you know him? No, no, no. It's not negotiable. The problem is you haven't accepted it. And you receive it, and after you receive it, what did it say? It begins working in you effectively. It begins working in you. You go on to read the rest of that verse. The Bible says, and ye became followers. You received it. It became a worker in you, and then you became a follower. You know what's happening? You're becoming a complete Christian. That's the goal. That's the goal. Where did it begin at? Well, it began with you deciding, I'm going to accept God's expectations to what? To be. I'll give you this for you, the second point tonight. I believe so many of us are incomplete Christians. And we have incomplete homes, incomplete hearts, incomplete churches. Why? It's because we refuse to be what we know to be. We know it. We know what it says. We know what God says we're to be. Be holy, be separate, be kind, be a husband that's sacrificial and loves your wife. All of these things we know, but we haven't accepted it yet. That's why it's not working yet. I just don't understand why it's not working. You haven't accepted it. You've got to receive the word, take it in, and then you'll be what God wants you to be. So number one, how do we go from an experience to living by the expectations? Accept God's expectations. Now, look down. It's really simple. Look at the next word. Really, really simple tonight. Bible says be, and then watch the next word, ye. Be ye. So here he is. Who's he talking to? Well, if you look back, uh, chapter 5, verse, um, uh, verse number 1, here come the disciples to him. So it's a group of people. But notice as he speaks, now he interjects a very personal word, be ye. So it's not just a group project. You ever done a group project in school? Yeah, I've, I've done one. Uh, probably the last one that I can remember is fourth grade, Miss Miles' class. We had a group project, and we had this big piece of poster board, and we were all drawing a farm, and we all had to do something in that group project. 
And then we have people that are really good at art. I'm not, a, I'm not an artist. I can't draw. Uh, give me a ruler and a pencil, and I can draw houses because they're geometric and they're working off of scale. That's not hard. But you people who can draw and have a skill to do that, uh, boy, use it for the glory of God. I do not have that gift whatsoever. And we're in that, that room, and we're all drawing, and I'm adding ideas to it, but I'm not the artist, so I'm having to depend on somebody else. And we all got a grade based on how the group did. And I want you to understand the expectations are not group expectations. They are personal expectations. He says in verse 48, be ye therefore, he, here's what he says, I expect this of you. So what's the second step tonight of going from having an experience with Christ to living up to the expectations of Christ? Number two, very simple, take it personal. You've got to take it personal. The moment you decide that this is for me and not for us is the moment you start moving from just having an experience with Christ to becoming a complete Christian and living up to the expectations of Christ. What, is, what does this mean to me? Be ye therefore. What does it mean to me? What is God saying to me? I've got to take God's word personally. What is God expecting of me? You know, several years ago, there was the campaign, there was the, the fad, the trend. Good idea. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just wary of, of Christian trends. You've got to be careful with that. You don't get on board with something just because it's a trend. you got to get on board because it's truth. But that was the trend of WWJD. Remember that? What would Jesus do? Can I tell you what will help us tonight go from an experiencing Christian to an living up to expectations Christian? If we ask this question, what would God expect? What would God expect? You'd be amazed how it would change your life if before we spoke, before we did, before we decided, asking ourselves, what does God expect? Because he says here, be ye therefore perfect or complete, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now, let's go back to the context of verse 46 and verse 47. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? If ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? What is he saying? He said, I expect more out of my children. I expect more. I remember telling my mom and dad, staying in the living room of our house in Carson years ago, we got our report cards in, and uh, that was back before technology and computers, and the report card, you had to wait for it to come in the mail. So that means a lot of times you got a few good days of summer before you got in trouble. And uh, I remember the lowest grade I ever made on a report card. I was usually A-B student. I was in gifted program. I know it's hard to believe, but usually did pretty good. But man, fifth grade, I had trouble with math in fifth grade. And I remember my report card came in from Mr. Hitt's class, and there on the report card was a glaring 73, which back then was bad. I know now it's not as bad, but back then 73 was bad because a, a 69 was failing. And I looked at my dad, and I said, I know it's bad, but I passed. You know, back then, we, I don't know if they still use the word. The word was flunk. They still use, do you all still use that word? Flunk? Did you flunk? I had a buddy who flunked that year. So dad, I passed. Dad, usually I make A's and B's, honor roll, okay. My sister was all A's. I was A's and B's. I said, dad, you know, I, I usually do good. I know I didn't do good on this, but I, I passed. I'll never forget what he said right there in the living room, standing on a little step there inside the front door of our house. He says, but you're capable of more. That's why we expect more. I believe this is what our... Christ is telling his disciples, be ye, I expect more of you, 
Don't love like the publicans. You have the capability of more, so I'm expecting you. Can I tell you tonight, experiences with Christ are great. Hearing a song that stirs your heart is great. Uh, I mean, going to a service where your spirit is stirred is great. But it shouldn't end the, the experience. It should move on to an expectation. And the way that you make that transition is start taking it personal. Example, Mark chapter 14, we have Mary anointing the feet of Jesus and wiping them with her hair. I want you to think about what went through her mind at that, at that time. Here she is. There is so much that she can't do and is not capable of. But she has this oil. And she believes that he's going to die and be buried because Jesus said, she's anointing me before my burial. So she has that much faith and she says, here is my opportunity. She says, what could I do? What could I do? I, I honestly believe she searched her heart, and then she looked in her hands, and she has this oil, this alabaster box. And she comes, and she anoints Jesus, dries his feet with her hair. She saw her opportunity. She took it personal. What can I do? What would he expect of me? Think about this tonight. I sit back. You ever, you ever come up with a theory in your mind, and then you have to test it? I'm sitting back in my office, and I'm, I'm testing a theory out about heroes. I want you to think about people that are your heroes tonight, whether spiritual heroes, maybe uh, heroes of uh, war, I don't know, what, heroes of faith in your life. I want you to think about this. I was thinking about people that I think of as heroes in the Word of God and heroes in my life. And can I tell you one thing that so far I have found they all have in common? They refused to shy away from expectations. Think about it. The heroes, war heroes, Iwo Jima. Normandy. Why are they our heroes? Why are, I'll tell you why. Because in the face of great adversity, they didn't shy away from their expectation. So wait a minute, there's gunfire, and when the landing boat door opens, you're going to walk right into a hail of bullets. They didn't shy away from expectation. Regardless of the difficulty and the adversity, they didn't shy away. They said, hey, this is personal. This is what I can do for my country. Folks, can I tell you? They lived up to the expectation. That's why there are heroes. Think about David. Here he goes to the battlefield, and there's Goliath down there, and there's the whole army that's there. And David looks down and sees him, and David knows he's outclassed. David knows he's outtrained, he's outsized, he's outmuscled, he's out everything. But I believe somewhere in David's heart, he asked the question What can I do? What can I do? You know what David could have done? He could have said, Well, Nobody else is doing anything. I'm not doing anything. He says, but no, I, I, I can. It was personal to him. It was personal to him. He said, this is something that I can have an opportunity to do something for my Lord. How many times did he say, this guy is cussing our God? He says, the Lord will deliver me. You see, he took it personal. Folks, at some point in our, our spiritual life, we've got to leave the experience in the emotion, and we've got to get to the place where we're living up to God's expectations regardless of what they are. Daniel. Daniel knows the punishment of what will happen if he disobeys the king's order. But you know what I believe Daniel asked? What does God expect of me? I want you to know, you try that tomorrow, you're going to find it's harder than you think it is. What does God expect of me? 
He said, I, I know that everybody else is falling down and, 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 and not, well, everybody else is refusing to pray. And, and, and I know that I should pray. I purpose it in my heart. God, what do you expect? What do you expect? He said, well, I know that God would expect me to pray. And so Daniel prayed. That's why he's our hero. What is the subject of verse number 48? Well, if you break it down grammatically, the subject is you. It's understood as you. You be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Can I ask you tonight, what does God expect of you? What does God expect of you? Not of us. It's easy to do this. We look around. What is, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What does God expect of you? It, 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 it never ceases to amaze me at how you can come to a church service or go to a church service. I've been to church service, revivals, and sat there, and you, you hear a message preached, and man, God gives you something there, and, uh, and then I look at a preacher brother that's over there with me at the conference, and he says, yeah, not so much. I want to tell you something. Every time the Word of God is open, there's something there for me, and I ask the question, God, what are you expecting of me? But the invitation time, do you know what the invitation time is all about? God, when I came here tonight, what did you expect of me? What did you expect of me? He said, well, I know that message was for them, and that message was for him, and that message was for her. No, no, no. No, no. He says, be ye. That's you. He didn't say, be them. (laughs) Be ye, therefore, perfect. Take it personal tonight. John chapter 21, Peter's curious about what John's going to do. Hey, what's he going to do? What did Jesus say? I mean, you've never been cut down until you've been cut down by Jesus. What is that to thee? I kind of feel like Peter's like, okay. <laughs> he was licking the wounds for the next few days. What happened? Peter's focus was off. It's not about what he's going to do. What is that to thee? Be ye. Be ye therefore perfect. Take it personally tonight. And then finally, let's end, uh, let's end this before uh, it gets too late. Be therefore perfect. Even, what does it say? As your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Let me tell you why it's important you take it personally. Well, the Bible says, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. That means complete, mature, full-grown. Well, he says, if you'll take it personally, you don't have your eyes on the wrong pattern. Your pattern is not the person sitting next to you. The pattern is not the person that sits behind you. It's not your spouse that the Bible says comparing ourselves to ourselves, unwise. Unwise. You will never be a complete Christian. You'll never be perfect, mature, full-grown in the faith if you're comparing yourself to somebody else. And isn't it sad but honest tonight, we usually pick the most gimpy Christian to compare ourselves to. Yeah. Man, I made it twice this week. He made it twice last year. I'm a pretty good Christian. No. Watch this. Number three, how do we go from having an experience with God to living to the expectations of God? Simply follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. Who's the pattern? Even as your Father, which in heaven is perfect. If we want to be complete tonight, complete, live up to the standard of all that he has given us to live up to, our focus has got to be on the pattern, which is our Father, which is in heaven. You know what happens when you begin looking around at other people? Comparison always leads to complacency. Always. You start comparing 
well, you know, that guy over there is not doing too good. And gosh, I've been doing better than him. And I've been in church longer than he has. Comparison will lead to complacency. You will quit striving to become a complete Christian as long as you're comparing. But I'll tell you this, if you will spend the rest of your life comparing who you are to the completeness of God, you will never stop striving to be like him. Why? Because when you see the Lord high and lifted up, suddenly you say, woe is me. Whoa, I am undone, I am incomplete, I am low. But if you compare yourself to another Christian, after a while you'll start feeling good about yourself. Danger, danger, danger. Keep your focus on the pattern. The focus is God. Woe is me. I've got work to do in my life. Comparing ourselves to ourselves is unwise. Comparing ourselves to the standard of our Father, that's what's required in verse 48. Even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. Now, what are we getting at tonight? There's nothing wrong with having a great experience with God, listening to a song that stirs your heart. I listened to a song the other day, I'll bet you 13 different times. There was to a song that just speaks to your heart and meets the need that you have at that time. And boy, it stirred my heart and encouraged me. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with mountaintop experiences where God worked in your life. There's nothing wrong with looking back in your life at high watermarks where God did something in your life. But understand, God did not have that experience in your life to just leave it as a goosebump. He wants it to lead to what? An expectation that we become more like our Heavenly Father. So tonight, can I ask you this question? <clears throat> Going from experiences to expectations to become a complete Christian, how do we get there? Number one, number one, accept God's expectations. You've got to accept them. Not that you just understand them, but you've accepted them. This is for me. How do I do that? Take it personal. Be ye. What does God expect of you? That's all. Invitation time, look, I, I know we get into this habit and this routine. Sometimes we come, sometimes we don't. Invitation time, here's a simple question. Heads are bowed in a minute. Not now, okay? Heads are bowed in a minute. Eyes will be closed. God, what do you expect of me right now? What do you expect of me right now? God, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to look. What is John going to do? It doesn't matter what John's going to do. What is that to thee? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do in my life? God, do I, is there something I need to get right? God, is there something I need to start doing better? God, what do I need to do? Why? I want to live up to your expectations because as I focus in on you, my Father's in heaven, I say, woe is me. I'm undone. I'll promise you tonight, revival would break out in your heart, this church, in our country. If we all just begin asking the question, what do you expect of me? And then we accept that and we yield to it. Tonight I'm thankful for experiences. But boy, when the trump of God sounds, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Well done, thou good and faithful. Do you know why he said well done? Because they had met his expectations. Hey, I want you to take what I gave you. I want you to use it. Take it to the money changers. All right, here comes the master. They took what he gave them and said, look, look, it, it may not be as much as that guy, and it may not be as much as that guy, but, but look, well done. Well done. You lived up to the expectations. Folks, when the trump of God sounds, you're going to need to have more than just an experience. You need to take that experience and start living up to God's expectations. What would God have us do tonight, right now, during this invitation? Amen. Heads are